Gays well enough, Sharp said vaguely. I'm glad to hear that, Harper said with genuine feeling. So you took tea with her, did you, sir? I took bloody tea with her, Sergeant, yes. Of course you did, sir, Harper said. He walked a few paces in silence, then decided to try his luck again. And I thought you were sweet on Miss Teresa, sir. Miss Teresa, Sharp said as though the name were quite unknown to him, though in the last few weeks he had hardly stopped thinking about the hawk-faced girl who rode across the frontier in Spain with the partisan forces. He glanced at the sergeant, who had a look of placid innocence on his broad face. "'I liked Teresa well enough,' Sharp went on defensively. "'But I don't even know if I'll ever see her again.' "'But you'd like to,' Harper pointed out. Of course I would, but so what? There are girls you'd like to see again, but you don't behave like a bloody saint waiting for them, do you? True enough, Harper admitted, and I can see why you didn't want to come back to us, sir. There you were, drinking tea while Miss Josephina's sewing, and a fine time the two of you must have been having. I didn't want to come back, Sharp said harshly, because I was promised a month's bloody leave. A month, and they gave me a week. Harper was not in the least sympathetic. The month's leave was supposed to be Sharp's reward for bringing back a hoard of gold from behind enemy lines, but the whole of the light company had been on that jaunt, and no one had suggested that the rest of them be given a month off. On the other hand, Harper could well understand Sharp's moroseness, for the thought of losing a whole month in Josephina's bed would make even a bishop hit the gin. One bloody week, Sharp snarled. Busted bloody army. He stepped aside from the path and waited for the company to close up. In truth, his foul mood had little to do with his truncated leave, but he could not admit to Harper what was really causing it. He stared back down the column, seeking out the figure of Lieutenant Slingsby. That was the problem. Lieutenant Bloody Cornelius Bloody Slingsby. As the company reached Sharp, they sat beside the path. Sharp commanded fifty-four rank and file now, thanks to a draft from England, and those newly arrived men stood out because they had bright red coats. The uniforms of the other men had paled under the sun and were so liberally patched with brown Portuguese cloth that from a distance they looked more like tramps than soldiers. Slingsby, of course, had objected to that. New uniforms, Sharp, he had yapped enthusiastically. Some new uniforms will make the men look smarter. Fine new broadcloth will put some snap into them. We should indent for some. Bloody fool, Sharp had thought. The new uniforms would come in due time, probably in winter, and there was no point in asking for them sooner. And besides, the men liked their old, comfortable jackets, just as they liked their French oxhide packs. The new men all had British packs, made by trotters, that griped across the chest until, on a long march, it seemed that a red-hot band of iron was constricting the ribs. Trotters' pains, that was called, and the French packs were far more comfortable. 
Sharp walked back down the company and ordered each of the new arrivals to give him their canteen, and as he had expected, every last one was empty. "'You bloody fools,' Sharp said. "'You ration it! A sip at a time! Sergeant Reed, "'Sir!' Reed, a redcoat and a Methodist, doubled to Sharp. "'Make sure no one gives them water, Sergeant.' "'I'll do that, sir. I'll do that.' The new men would be dry as dust by the time the afternoon was done. Their throats would be swollen and their breath rasping, but at least they would never be so stupid again. Sharp walked on down the column to where Lieutenant Slingsby brought up the rear guard. "'No stragglers, Sharp,' Slingsby said with the eagerness of a terrier, thinking it had deserved a reward. He was a short man, straight-backed, square-shouldered, bristling with efficiency.